We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why when it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode 292. Happy January, Scott. I'm not, I'm not saying Happy New Year. I'm sick of that shit. What is your, what's your cutoff day? I saw January you talking 3rd. about it on the 3rd. Yeah. yeah. See, my thing is, is, though, if you haven't spoken with somebody the week after Happy uh, the New Year's, like that week, because it was on a, a Monday night, right? So that week, if I, if I haven't spoken with someone and I'm doing like a well wishes thing, I'll say it. The next week, I'm done with it, for sure. So Happy New Year. Oh God! Well, it's not—it's not been a happy New Year. You know why? I'm because uh, att- you're a miserable son of a bitch. Well, okay. So reason—that's reason number one. Reason number two is I'm attempting to do this uh, dry January thing. Oh boy! I, what's today? The sixth. That's not good. That's not good for the show. <laughs> it's tough. I'm that's six days in. It's tough. How I, do you uh, do that when when you have like the NFL playoffs? I know I'm, that was really. It's a bad, 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 uh, bad, bad thinking on that. You got to do that in like. February when nothing happens. 
Yeah. Well, so um, Friday was the first, you know, because, you know, I usually don't even really drink during during the week on, on a work night. But Friday night, I, I made it through Friday night. Actually, it wasn't too hard. But then yesterday we spoke to uh, Anthony Siegler, uh, who will be we're going to release that episode on Tuesday. It's going to be a standalone episode. Talk to him for, for a while. He's a really nice kid. Um, so check that out tomorrow. Yeah, number but- one draft pick of the New York Yankees. Anthony Siegler was uh, was. Fun conversation for yeah, sure. Yeah, and I think we showed in that in that uh, episode how big of college football fans we are. But, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. We, <laughs> we got exposed pretty hard. But, uh, you know, so we, we finished that. I put on the uh, the Colts game, and I really wanted to crack a beer. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, I game, didn't. I didn't. the game was pretty pretty much done after, you know, the first quarter, first, first half, really. And then the second game was just boring for the majority of it, so... Yeah, it's, it's, that's tough, man. I, I definitely drank some beers last night. Yeah, I got they were, roped and they into were, it. And they were delicious. <laughs> I got roped into it. I'm going to see how I feel. I woke up this morning with a headache. and I think That's it's called just, withdrawal. I think it's my body assuming I drank last night. Yeah. Is your, is your hand shaking at this current moment? Like, a, keep, a, keep a steady hand. No, well, hands I don't okay. know if you could do that if with coffee in the mornings, but you may be shaking even further later in the day heads heads pounding a little bit but you know i'm doing this to to give my body a little bit of a break because the december with the holidays and everything i feel like all you do is drink and eat for for a month straight and and with uh the march trip we have coming up with saint patrick's day i know my body's gonna have to go through hell that weekend so i'm just giving myself january off okay all right it's a bold move we'll see how we'll see how it pans out uh, I'm not in that boat. I just like to ruin my body every single month and uh, stay consistent with it. So, uh, but yeah, spring training that's that's going to be a big weekend. St. Patrick's Day weekend. Uh, we have about 30 tickets that are already accounted for. Um, total about 50 tickets that that we have allotted for this thing. So, uh, really, when they when they get sold, when we get it to right at 50, uh, you know, unless they have more inventory, which it's depleting on a daily basis uh, as I'm talking to them. Um, they'll be done. So make sure you guys, if you're planning on going to spring training, again, it's a really good weekend to go. They play the Red Sox that Friday. We'll be at that game. We're, and then we're doing the event on Saturday, both one o'clock games. The Toronto Blue Jays are the opponent on Saturday. And again, we'll be in the bullpen club, which is on the right field side um, up top. Great seats. You can see into the bullpen, hence the name. And it, the uh, $70 ticket includes the game. Your beer, uh, it's domestic beer, so that's included, which is awesome. Uh, some some uh, wine, fountain drinks, and then a full buffet, which is a pretty good buffet. We uh, we were chowing down on it for a while, and they keep it, the whole thing open, I think, until like the seventh, uh, seventh inning or so. So it's a really good deal. Yes, it's a, it's a ton of fun, and it's going to be a fun weekend with, with the St. Patrick's Day celebration. I've heard stories. I've heard people tweet us saying that is the craziest weekend for spring training down there. I think we did that one time by accident a couple of years ago as well. There Did was we? one, maybe it was spring break. That was it. We were down in Tampa. We're like, why are these, why are there so many college kids <laughs> everywhere? Yeah. And we realized it was spring break. Yeah, I think so. So we, that was the so first we went, year I think that we went. Yeah. Yeah. So we started going club hopping, obviously. <laughs> yeah. And I had a, a 6 a.m. flight or you had a six. One of us had a 6 a.m. flight. The it next seems flight. like every year we have a 6 a.m. flight. Yeah. I, and again, I have a 6 a.m. flight. Yeah, my, mine's seven. So I give myself that extra hour. But uh, also, we've been talking about the regular season events. Um, so if you those are on the website, you guys can check them out. There are also the dates are in the show notes, so you can check those out there. We have five events this season. It's going to be a ton of fun. Hope to see everybody that came last year, plus some new faces. Uh, really, that was uh, all of those events were one uh, pretty much one of the highlights of of last season for us. 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, the BP crew thing is uh, is definitely something that we're spreading out. Uh, we've been organizing the chapters now too uh, for different cities, so we're going to be doing that this year. And we've we've had a really good response from it. And that's you know kind of one of the the big you know one of the big focuses for us this coming year is that we want to uh, grow this community and grow the you know the opportunities for everybody to hang out in person, not just online. I think that's uh, it makes a you know for obviously a very different experience, and it's a lot of fun hanging out with uh, like-minded people who are super passionate about the Yankees. So definitely put that on your list and, and come out to one of these events. So with these chapters, when when are we putting them through initiation? Yeah, I'm still trying to work that out. You know, I got to figure out the exact dosage. You know, for for each person as they come through, we got <laughs> we got to figure you- out what. <laughs> what they're uh, what they're going to get? You were you were your frat president back in the day, right? So you've got experience with that. Yeah, I was. I was um, I was the social chair for like four or five semesters. I couldn't give that one up, <laughs> and then I was the uh, the president the uh, the last year of uh, of my uh, of my college year. So it was the year that I was trying to be serious. Yeah, I only did one one semester as social chair. Yeah, no, but I did a lot. They I, usually you know. they usually it's like the it's like the presidency. You can only serve one. You know, well, you can only ser- serve a certain amount of terms. They didn't kick you out after a little while. Nah, man. If you throw a good party, you can stay where you are. You know, if you if you do a good job in the social chair, it would be pretty dumb to to try something new at that point. Like we had a good run going, so we stuck with what was working. You skim a little bit off the top. Of what? Well, there was no money. The money just there's no money in college. That is a bunch of nonsense. We we had a we had a thing where it was uh, every guy when we had a party we had closed parties for so no other. It was like maybe ten or fifteen other guys could show up outside our fraternity, but we had a, a list and uh, every guy in our chapter had to bring a thirty pack when thirty packs were actually in existence. I don't even think you could buy one anymore. Uh, and then so we had all the beer uh, funded basically by the guys. We had a really good system going. And then you know for the, all the sororities. I, I would go on one-on-one meetings with all of their social chairs, so it was great. Yeah, we used to collect five dollars from every. Basically, we would sell tickets for five dollars, so we didn't right. care where the. Usually, the the girls got in free, so we'd had we'd had to sell enough to guys to collect enough five dollar increments to be able to buy the beer for the party. Basically, yeah. No, that's our system was uh, was was calculated so we didn't have more guys at our party. Yeah. It was for a reason. All right, we've got a lot to talk about. So la- last week we kind of joked that the news cycle just came to a screeching halt between Christmas and New Year, but it's been a busy few days uh, since we last talked. And I guess the head the the headline is Britain's contract from last night, Saturday night. Uh, the news broke that he signed a a multi year contract with the Yankees. With it's an interesting it's an interesting setup because it's it's the structure of it is three years, but it could be two years, it could be four years depending on if the Yankees pick up the option or if Britain opts into the contract or opts out. So it's $13 million a year with an opt-out clause after 2020. If the team does not exercise that option for the 2022 campaign. So really that second year is the focal point of this contract. Yeah, essentially, I mean, we, we've been talking about the theme of these contracts, right, for a while and adding all these new options. And it's, it's really the way things are going because it gives – the players some ability to make some decisions, and then obviously the team has some insurance. You know, if they see a, a player that they want to to keep on. But this one is different in the sense that the the deal for the the, the contract vesting for the fourth year has to the decision has to be made after the second year, which I thought was really interesting and and a good thing for Britain and honestly a good thing for the Yankees in the sense that if they if they see a you know a healthy. Uh, productive Zach Britton for the first two years, then they're going to pick up that contract. And the worst thing that they will uh, theoretically 
be eating is, is you know, that, that fourth year that, you know, who knows if he has a bad year or a down year in the third year, then they'll have to, um, you know, live with a, that guy in the fourth year. Whereas Britain, if he comes off two dominant years, has the ability to, uh, to, to go out back in the, in the market if the Yankees don't pick up that option. So, uh, or he could stay for that third year. So it's a really interesting option, I think, for both teams. And, uh, and, and yeah, I'm curious to see if we see more like this because um, def- definitely a lot of flexibility. Yeah, I think it's genius by the Yankees because he could potentially make $53 million, which to, so far this offseason, he would be the highest paid reliever. But they're really only committing to two years at this point. Two yeah. years at $13 million for Britain, which I think is very fair, especially considering what uh, Andrew Miller and Robertson and some of these other relief pitchers got. I realize that Britain was not the the Cy Young caliber Zach Britton that he was a couple years ago last season. He, but we uh, need to get that out of our head, right? right. We need to get he that was out of coming our head. off the Achilles injury. I think that affected his command, certainly, because his walks, that was the thing we talked about, right? His command yeah. was the uncharacteristic thing. He walked 11 guys. I believe I have the numbers in here. 11 guys in 25 innings, which was very unbritain like And that's right. what got him in trouble. His, no you, doubt. You found some metrics on his ground ball percentage. Uh, nice job on you. Watch you out. Put Look your at big that. boy Sabre metrics uh, pants Scott Riley coming out with some Sabre metrics. Yes. It was, it was <laughs> Scotty Sabre. <laughs> it was a big week for me. <laughs> but uh, his ground ball percentages uh, were still in line with uh, classic Zach Britton. Um, but sometimes with that command, he would leave that ball up and we saw, like we saw the home run that he allowed home runs. He allowed in the playoffs. He, he allowed one of them in the wild card game. And I remember one from the, the Red Sox series. And when you think of Zach Britton, you think of just ground ball after ground ball. So yeah, hopefully next year, full year removed from that Achilles injury. And the, that's what the Yankees are banking on with, with, with this, with this contract. And the fact that they let they were in on Robertson, but they let him go to the Phillies. They are, are thinking Zach Britton is going to be better next year, and we want to sign up for that. Yeah, I don't even know how, how really deep they were in on Robertson, honestly. I think fr- from all the accounts, if you, you read between the lines and, and just kind of see where they were, um, I know there were, some re- there were reports of, of when he, after he signed with the Phillies, he came out and talked about like, hey, I'll just do whatever I need to be for the team. Look, David Robertson's a team guy. He's going to say team lines. I, I, I still believe that through this whole process, he wanted an opportunity to close and he wanted to find an opportunity in another team where where he would, you know, at least have that chance to close. You look at the Phillies, they didn't have a closer. They have, you know, they'll, they'll be playing with some guys uh, at the end, but the only guy that's a, a bona fide major league closer on that roster currently is David Robertson. So, you know, essentially, he's going to be that guy. Yeah, the but Yankees do you didn't think, have that do you opportunity. Think he really cared. You think he really cared as long as he was getting closer money? Because he so he got to, what did he get? Twelve million or eleven and a half million a year? It's almost. It's that's right in line with what Andrew Miller, Joe Kelly, uh, Jerry's Familia. I mean, even thirteen million for Britain. It's pretty close. And and when you look at the fact that Robertson represented himself, he saves the ten percent uh, fee. Commission fee, so it's basically like he got the same money. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, there's some money left on the table, though. If you, there's some articles out there about some things that he did, and he also talked about that it was an interesting experience that I will never do again. Uh, but look, I, I think I do think Robertson wanted to close. I think he wanted at least the opportunity to be in that ninth inning um, because right. there's a potential now for you know if he does if he has a good two years and he gets back into that closer role, he could still get another contract. And I think that's 
that's an important when you're looking at, at longevity for earning, that is a, is a big deal. Getting back into that ninth inning and becoming one of the, you know, one of the few guys in major leagues who was available at a free agent time that has the um, recent closer numbers. To me, that makes you a, more of a, you know, an attractive free agent than you're looking at. You're thrown in with the rest of the the, the pool of of you know quote just relievers. So and I do think it's a distinction. Yeah, and and but Robertson's been extremely durable for his yes, career. He has. He's been very consistent. So I know he's a little bit. He's one of the older relievers on the market. He was he's going to be 34 years old next season, and Britain's only going to be 31. But like you said, when you're when you're looking at Robertson's track record, you're not really concerned with that 34 year old age. Exactly, and I, and I think well, and you don't know how it's going to play out. Obviously, with age, uh, things can happen. Yeah, everything re- ends at some relatively point, quickly. But, but two years for I don't think two years for David Robertson at thirty four years old is is risky at all. No, well, and there's also uh, an option that he has for this year. I'm looking up his, his contract. He, he right had now. some contract incentives where he can make more. I don't think it was it for another year, was it? Uh, it's a club option in 2021 for 12 million. So it's his his. They signed him for nine in 19, uh, 10 million base, 20, 11 million, and then there's a club option for 2021. So they have if they want to to keep him and and they're they're liking what they see, they they can keep him through 2021 at age 36 with a 12 million dollar. So it's an escalating salary mm-hmm. uh, by one year each year. Yeah, and I in my off season plans originally, I wanted Robertson and Adovino, uh mainly because I thought Britain was going to cost more than the Yankees were willing to give. They let Robertson walk. They chose to bring back Britain. I think that's that's a good move. I'm I'm happy with the move. I think we're going to break down the bullpen, but. They needed to do something. They, they, yeah. it would have. I think it would have been a very big oversight if they did not sign one of these free agent uh, relievers to bol- bolster the bullpen for next year. No doubt. I mean, this is the area where I want them to spend money. I mean, I have, I have been uh, pretty open with with the fact that, like, I, to me, the Machado thing makes you know makes some sense when you're looking at what what the the, the roster looks like. But I'm not going to be heartbroken if they don't sign him where they go and they they spend money in the bullpen where I think there's a, more of a need. You know, any 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 money spent on pitching, I think is better money spent in my opinion. Um I think the offense can can work itself out just fine. Uh but that is a, a big deal. So I would like them actually to go out there now and, and to lock down one more guy because there is a guy out there who has good success and uh one of our writers Conrad uh, on Brooks Pinstripes just put out a really good article about Britain before the Britain signing, but Britain and Adovino kind of breaking those both down and uh, and looking at them as options. And to me, you know, with the way that Adovino and I know he's an older guy, he's what thirty three years old, I think, and coming off of a good success. But again, he's he's kind of one of those guys that, and you see this with the bullpen arms all the time, where you know someone will show up and have a really good year, and then the next year they're you know not the same guy anymore. And um, and he's been inconsistent in his career, but coming off a very good year uh, in a tough in a tough uh, ballpark for pitchers. So I would, I would like them to see, uh, to spend some money in that bullpen still and, and just lock it down even further. Because again, you're hedging your, your bull, your pitching staff by doing that. You know, you couldn't get, uh, or we, the Sabathies at the end of the, uh, at the end of the rotation as the fifth guy, you know, who knows if he were to go down, what would happen with guys coming up? I know there's, there's some, uh, there's some arms in the minor leagues that could come up and fill in that fifth spot. But again, if you have a lockdown bullpen, and it's very deep, then you're hedging that bet. Yeah, and as of now, we know that they have five locks for the bullpen next season. Chapman, Britton, Batances, Green, and Holder. 
And then you've got your maybe list. Tommy Canely, Tarpley, Herman, Loisica, Acevedo, Luis Sessa, and Ben Heller are all in that maybe category. If you added Adovino, I still think you get all those maybes still filtering in. Um, yeah. And who knows? I mean, Canely could kind of be an X factor here, right? Because they acquired Canely in 2017. They thought he was going to be a long-term bullpen piece that's controllable that would evolve into a setup guy or something. Didn't happen. He, he took a step back yeah. last year. It was it was a mystery. Like, he was hurt. His velocity was down. Was he playing too much Fortnite? What the hell was going on with, with Tommy Canely? But if he turns back into 2017 Canely, well, then... This bullpen, I mean, that this bullpen set. Maybe it was just a long hangover from the Eagles Super Bowl win. Maybe he was just, <laughs> you know, he hurt himself celebrating too much, uh, too much fist pumping, and hurt the the elbow and never came back. I, look, the guy has obviously we've seen the ability and the potential for him. He couldn't find the strike zone last year. That was another big problem with him. So something was going on with his mechanics. I really do. He is an X factor. I think he he could be a huge piece out of that pen if he can reform that if he come back to that shape because. You know, he was walking guys, but when he came over from Chicago, he was one of the, the guys coming out of the bullpen who had one of the lower, um, you know, walk ratios in the league. The guy threw strikes, nothing but strikes. So it was very out of character, you know, what we saw. But that's a good example from a guy that peaked and was, had a really good season with the White Sox and then came over uh, and completed that season with the Yankees and then fell off the face of the planet uh, the next year. And, and we see that with relievers, unfortunately. That's right. the only hesitancy and, and, you know, thing that scares me a bit about Adovino. He doesn't have the track record. Right, because you look at his seasons and they seesaw. So that yes. that's a risk you're taking if you're giving him a multi-year contract. That would not have been a risk, I, I don't think, if you're signing Robertson. Now, if you think right. he's he wanted closer, he wanted the closer role, then it might have been a moot point. But if it was strictly money and he was going to go to a place that he just got the best contract from, well, then I don't know why the Yankees would not have at least matched that contract. I think they could have done that. Yeah, see, that's that's what's puzzling to me, and that's why that's why I'm I'm really believing more of the narrative that he wanted an opportunity to to be somewhere to close. Uh, the other thing is, you know, we never we didn't really talk too much about this because it was very gray. There wasn't really a lot of clear information about it, so um, we didn't really take many liberties with it because it's definitely a sensitive subject. But the whole player share uh, thing in the playoffs yeah. and giving into the clubhouse, you know, there could have been and, and David Robertson being kind of the the you know, the goat on that one, like he was kind of left out. I think, was it the daily news or the post? Yeah, it was an unfair thing because he's the player rep on this, but right. he, he just had one vote like the rest of the team. So yeah. it's not like he made the decision to not give the clubhouse attendance, the play, the playoff shares. It was a team it, decision. It's just Robertson, unfortunately was the representative. And, and the way that the article was written, it was, it was really more of a, a Kind of a, a a slightly hit hit piece on hit Robertson. Piece on Robertson, yeah. yeah, and and his character and such. And honestly, the way that Robertson, the way that I see how Robertson is, and the way I, I you know imagine like how he is as a, as a man, and he's always he's, you know held himself to a high regard. It seems like he you know he does a lot of charity work as well. So it seems like he's he's a, a genuinely a good dude. And you know that could have been there could have been some some rumblings behind the scenes too, as far as a broken relationship with that whole deal. So, uh, who knows? But. The way that the contract played out for him and the money that we saw him get, like the Yankees easily could have matched that. And when you're looking at the market and what you're getting, like, the the fact that Robertson and Ottavino, if you're looking at those two guys and you're looking at consistency, and, and you, you don't need that guy to be a, as dominant. I mean, you have a deep bullpen already. You really do want that consistency. To me, that's extremely important when you're looking at a back-end piece. And David Robertson gave you all of that. So that just leads me to believe that there was something else. 
<clears throat> Maybe. Uh, and for whatever, for whatever it's worth, Mark Feinstein was on uh, WFAN last week and shot that down. Said that was not a factor. Yeah. Uh, again, then why? Then the money wasn't a factor. Uh, the money. But like is you not said, a, we a don't even know Yankees if the Yankees him. offered him a, uh, a set contract and what it was. They were obviously talking to Robertson, they were in on Robertson. But if, if Robertson said, I have $23 million guaranteed from the Phillies. Did the Yankees say, okay, see you later? Or did they say, we will match that? Like, we don't know. Again, that's, that's why I'm thinking there's something else. Because that's when you're looking at the amount of money and, and what is, uh, you know, the market for these guys right now uh, along the same lines. Like, to me, when you look at Adovino and you look at Robertson, like, there's no, there's, it's a no-brainer when you're thinking about consistency and who's, who's done it in New York. There's a lot of things that you already know about David Robertson. Mm-hmm. If Adovino came over to the, to the New York Yankees and pitched and gave you the same numbers as David Robertson, we'd be ecstatic. So right. you kind of know what you're getting right there. Well, Adovino had age, a better... Age isn't much of a factor, though. They're, they're, Adovino is a year younger. Adovino a year. had a better year in 2018 than Robertson did. But, like you just said, the... the Robertson is a known, a known, a known um, factor, and right, Adovino isn't. So, and the other thing about Robertson and and Feinstein's shooting that stuff down, and all uh, multiple beat writers have actually shot that down. Uh, that doesn't change my mind. I still think there's something in his in his uh, in his own thinking. Are you say, okay, Ro- so are you saying it's something that he Robertson is holding against the Yankees and possibly just the media in general? He didn't want to deal with it anymore, or is it a Yankees team organization perspective saying we're holding this against you? No, I don't think it's anything against the the team holding it against Robertson by any means. I think oh, okay. I, this is my personal belief that Robertson had other things, objectives in his mind, Just saying that off. whether he was mad or not, it, it could have been a factor. But here's the deal. Robertson keeps this stuff close to the vest. He doesn't come out and talk about any of this stuff. He's a, he's a very straightforward company guy. He's a good, very good pitcher. But he also is, is more on the side he'll... he'll you know, shy to the side of being walking that corporate line. Like he doesn't, he's not a controversial guy by any means. So if he has, has, has feelings like this, and, and I can also, uh, again, just, just knowing the player and knowing how he's conducted himself for years, I'm just reading between the lines here. This is just me, you know, giving you my, uh, my perspective on why I think is, is that, you know, he doesn't like to be slighted like that. And, and the fact is that he did have an opportunity with the Phillies. He liked the organization. It's on the East coast. It checks the boxes where what he was looking for as well. So, you know, let's uh, let's go there and have an opportunity to close. Clean chapter. We ever think maybe he just didn't like the clubhouse attendance in Yankee Stadium? Maybe they, maybe, <laughs> maybe. They, maybe they pissed in his locker or something. <laughs> that could be. That could be. Maybe they didn't uh, wear high socks when he was like, guys, every day. On, on this day, we're all going to wear high socks. I have this charity. Can we just wear high socks on this one day? And nobody's like, they're like, no. Nah. They put low socks in his locker that day. Uh, obviously, I'm, uh, you know... I wish I love David Robertson. I think he. Me too. He, yeah, he is. He is what you want out of some uh, a player on your team. He was great for the season and a half after they acquired him back from uh, from the White Sox. I mean, think about like what he did in that year and a half. I mean, the memorable stuff that he had when he's grabbing his crotch after Sanchez gets hit. In the groin, uh, in the wild card game, that's a great image. Or when he's sprinting in, that gift still goes around Twitter when he's sprinting in in that Detroit brawl. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just happy that Robertson didn't go to the Red Sox because I thought that was a real possibility and the Red Sox need bullpen help. And I actually would have been upset about that more from the sense that would have helped the Red Sox and that would have been bad news for the Yankees. No doubt. I mean, 2017 to me is, is the, the, the one thing that stands out in my head, the 2017 playoffs. When he came in on the wild card game, 
uh, after Severino was, um, you know, was was touched up early and pitched, I think, what four and a third, something like that. And then, and then the, in the Cleveland series, came out when Sabathia, you know, got into the fourth inning and then came out and pitched three and two thirds. Like that was the year that we saw. Like this guy, it doesn't matter. He's just going to go out there and throw as many innings as possible as as they need him. And then they, and they just kept going with him. Um, Gerard just kept going with him and pushing that pushing that button. And every single inning. Robertson popped out and was was just nails was was filthy um, in that playoff. So I have a I have a lot of respect for the way that that he pitches and conducts himself, and that's another reason why I'm looking at this and it's not adding up to me. The money, it went, uh, from a Yankees perspective, the money is fine, totally in line. In fact, if not cheap at that point for when you're looking at what you get from him, the fit on the Yankees perspective is exactly what you need, right? Another guy uh, who come out pitch to righties and lefties and get you out of, um, you know, innings earlier than the seventh innings, eighth inning that, that have impact bats. The fit was there for the Yankees, the money and the way that he fits into this bullpen. So that's why I'm re- trying to read between the lines here. Something else is going on. Yeah. Maybe we'll find out down the line what it is. Uh, but I, I don't see Robertson ever singing on it. I, I think Robertson will, will keep whatever it was. If there was something else, he'll just keep that to himself. Yeah, it'll be somebody else who leaks it. A <laughs> uh, couple of other notes in the bullpen. Sessa is out of options. That was uh, reported this week, so we might see have seen the last of Luis Sessa finally. And AJ Cole was DFA'd to make room for Troy Tulowitzki, who uh, was the other big news of the week. Yankees signed him to a league minimum contract. There were reports that like 15 or 16 teams were heavily interested in Tulowitzki, and even the Cubs we're gonna say we're gonna give him the starting shortstop position while Russell is out, um, but he chose the and, Yankees. and he may be gone for a long time because he just seems like a very bad guy. Yes, but he chose the Yankees because he loves those pinstripes, loved Derek Jeter, just obsessed with the Yankees. Remember when he was with Colorado? Uh, he was he rehabbing and he just showed. He was up visiting to a doctor, I think. Yeah. And he's like, oh, it's Jeter's last season. I got to see this guy one last time uh, sitting in the legend seat. So Tulo finally is wearing the pinstripes. Everybody, it's the classic like bizarro Yankees, right? Like everybody at some point, five years after they were good, dons the pinstripes. <laughs> it could, it, this could go in, in a couple different ways. We could have a flash in the pan and, with, the, with just the signing and be like, oh, Tulowitzki's a Yankee. And in six, seven years, we're like, oh, my God, I, I f- totally forgot. Yep. Troy Tulowitzki was a Yankee for a minute. Yeah, we have to add him to that bizarro list. Or we're getting a guy that is, is, uh, has been very out and open about how he wants to play for the Yankees, who everybody who went to his workout says the guy is healthy. He's moving very well. He uh, you know, looks like the, the defensive you know, wizard that he had been. He was a very, very good defensive shortstop. Uh, when he was was healthy, and that's the contingency that we're going to have to have with him every time we talk about him. For literally every single thing we talk about him, if healthy, when healthy, if healthy, like that's going to be the line that follows him every single time we're, we're talking about this guy. But if healthy, <laughs> could be a, uh, a a very good signing. Yeah, th- that if doesn't even fit in this room. It's such a big <laughs> if. I mean, he yeah. did not play in 2018. He was not healthy in 2017 which led to bad statistics. And then in 2016, he played like 130 games and he was bad. So the last time we saw even a decent Troy Tulowitzki... Bad. I wouldn't say bad. He had a seven-something OPS. That's bad. 
when you're looking at Tulowitzki numbers, first of all, expectations need to get get off his name. We we need to re- forget his name and look at a player because that's who we got right now. We got have a we have a player at league minimum. That's who he is. He's a player at league minimum. It, he's just a guy. He's Jag. That's his name now. Because if we look at Tulowitzki, we're all going to be like, oh, not the same guy. Bust. That's not what we need. We don't need Troy Tulowitzki to be uh, to be that guy. Uh huh. What do we need? We need. We need a Neil Walker type. We need a guy who's going to go out there and play good defense and but then show some pop with the bat. We Troy Tulowitzki can't play good defense at this point in his career. He was a good defender in 2012 with the Rockies. He's not a good defensive shortstop anymore. He is if he's healthy. God. If all you needed, <laughs> was, a, if all you needed was a good defensive shortstop while Didi is out, then why wouldn't you bring in something like Hechevarria? Well, I still think they should sign him. I still think that's, a, that's an option. But the thing is, is that... Tulowitzki gave upside, and there's no downside here. There's nothing. There's no downside. Uh, that's that's the, the, the beautiful part about this. They're bringing him in for spring training. He's got a league okay, minimum contract. Fine, you don't it. think that if he comes out and is not the same guy or gets hurt or whatever, that they're just not going to get rid of him? They will. They'll just cut him. It's fine. It's no harm, no foul. Let's see what you got. Uh, if he is adequate. And they're comfortable with him starting opening day shortstop. And Manny Machado is not on this team. And Miguel Andujar is still at third base. The left side of the infield is absolute trash defensively. Well, again, th- that's just not true. Because if he is the starting shortstop at, uh, at opening day, that means he went through an entire spring training, which means he's healthy. And he's most likely back to the Tulowitzki defensively. Because I don't think you're going to see much of a uh, a you know, a, a downside on, on his defensive side if he's if he is healthy. When you have a heel injuries on both feet, that's gonna that's gonna affect you uh, your range and how you play shortstop. Yeah, if exactly. He, he that's gets, what I'm saying. But if he gets through an entire spring training, what you're saying is he's the opening day shortstop. That he's then we're deeming him healthy. No. Okay. So is is he gonna be like league average defensively? Probably a tick above it. Okay. Yeah. And you have the worst third baseman in baseball defensively playing next to him. It's a bad. I mean, left we're side saying, of the I'm infield. saying a tick That's above bad. it is, is probably as 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 bad as he'll be if he's healthy. But right. also the the very high probability again, if he's the opening day shortstop, we're assuming health right now, that he's going to be much better than league average at uh, at shortstop. And that's I, what I think they're seeing. I just don't see the infield being Luke Voigt at first base, Gleyber Torres at second, Tulowitzki at short, and Anduar at third. And Cashman spoke to the media this week and said, if the season began tomorrow, the Yankees have that infield, and I, quote, feel very comfortable with that. I yeah. flat out do not buy that. I don't believe that. There's no way he could feel very comfortable with that. Yeah, I mean, he's... Dude... Cash was talking, man. He's still in the but very he doesn't well, lie. Very you much know engaged. Doesn't, he doesn't he does, lie. Absolutely. Well, that's the beauty of that's the beauty of it. You don't think he doesn't lie. Now, a lot of people are are saying he doesn't lie. He's got you right where he wants you. Uh, he's of course, like he liar, lies. Liar, he can't. No, he lies. He lies all the time. He just he just makes it. You know, it sound great. He doesn't always give the his full hand ever. Like this guy is is open with the way he feels more than most GMs, I'd say. But he keeps a lot of things close to the vest. Absolutely a lot of things. They talked about trading Sonny Gray as a, as a, as a, a definite. I already said, out the door. It, you know, after the, after the World Series, after the playoffs. And pff, that kid is still on this team. So it didn't happen immediately. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I just, I, I don't see a way where now they don't sign Machado. 
I mean, I, I do. I, I think that there's, I still think that there's, a, there's options that could go out there. You talked about adding another defensive shortstop or another guy that could float around. And I still think Echevarria is a very, very good option for this team. He does give you, again, hedging the bets. Like that's, to me, what we're, we're looking at here. This Yankees team is so ready to go. You have to go out and hedge bets, especially if you're coming in with guys like Tulowitzki who have a, um, you know, have a, a, a giant amount of risk as, as far as like the player itself, the contract, there's no risk, but there is a possibility if you're depending on him, there's risk. So a guy like Hechevaria who could play short, who could play third, who could play second, you know, this guy can go all over and, and give you a, a, you know, one of the best gloves in, in baseball. He's that good. Uh, it makes a lot of sense to, to add him right now. I still think that he should be part of this team. All right. Stay with me on this. So, oh God. Uh, Troy Tulowitzki had offers or interest from multiple teams, right? Mm-hmm. A dozen teams, potentially. He chose the Yankees. He talked to Cashman about what their plans are with Manny Machado. Would he have chose the Yankees if he knew he had no chance at playing for the Yankees if they were planning on uh, keeping Andujar and signing Manny Machado? Maybe Brian Cashman led him to believe we're, we're, our plan is to have Manny Machado at third base and, sh- and you at shortstop. That is, our, that is our plan to start the season. And then when Didi comes back, Didi's going to take over and you're, you're going to be our, our floater guy. I mean, it's possible. It's, uh, they, they definitely, the reports were out there that said um, that Cashman or whomever reached out to Machado and told him that they were going to sign to Lewitsky. So they, they were very open with the fact that they were signing him uh, to the Machado guys. So yeah, I mean, it could be, but the, but the thing is, is even if that weren't the case and, and they go out and, and they stay with Andrew Hart, he's going to be the third baseman. Um, why does that change with Tulowitzki? Why does he care? Because if third? their plan was to keep Andujar and sign Manny Machado, then Tulowitzki has no place. He has no shot at playing because in that scenario, Machado's the shortstop until Didi comes back. Maybe. I mean, the, but the the thing is, is that even if they kept uh, Andujar, um, when, if you sign both of those guys, there's no... There's no guarantee that Andujar is starting at third base at that point when you have Machado there and, and a healthy, again, theoretically. I feel like I have to put air quotes over this every time. But um, Tulowitzki, you know, they might be floating him around. I mean, there, there have been people talking, and I know he worked out a couple times, uh, played a little bit of first base. Who the hell knows with, with Andujar? It's so unclear what what that vision is at this point um, yeah. that anybody who talks about it is, is pure speculation because nobody has any friggin' idea what the hell is happening with, <laughs> with third base and Machado first base, you know, we're all just um, speculating at this point. But that being said, you know, having Hetcheveria on this team does hedge a lot of bets because you have a very good glove now. And, and honestly, he was better offensively than we expected. I think last year, you know, and all he has to do is be adequate, even if he's not. Who cares? He's a, he's a damn good defender. And, and to me, that's an essential piece of, of having a guy that can float around the infield. This, is, uh, this you know, goes in nicely with one of our mailbag questions from one of uh, our Bronx Pinstripes writers, Jared Saul. He says, who plays the most games at shortstop for the 2019 Yankees? Yeah. I still think it's going to be Didi Gregorius. Which means he would have to come back probably sometime in late June. June. Yeah. yeah. I think that, again, speculation here, but Didi has, is an overachiever. It seems like that, that guy is just, I don't know, he, he's a, he, he does a lot of things very well. I have to believe that he's rehabbing extremely hard. <laughs> See, and, he does, he's an overachiever, yeah. so his he's an overachiever, so he's going to recover quicker faster. from Tommy John surgery. Okay, yeah. I like would that. not surprise me. Would not surprise me if Didi came back ahead of schedule. So Jacoby Ellsbury is an underachiever. 
Oh, big time. And there's except, no except, except earning. A, except he's an overachiever as far as getting people to give him dumb contracts. I mean, the guy can earn like no other. There's no doubt. But he just doesn't do anything for the earning. It's, so it's, it's amazing. Who plays the second most games at shortstop for the Yankees? Man, I think it's a sprinkled in mix. Um, I don't want to jinx Tulowitzki by saying him. <laughs> so I'm not. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to plead the fifth on this. Okay, one. so does Tulowitzki. Hechevarria. Or so, whoever they I mean, sign. Hechevarria is not even on the roster. So, right. yeah. Who, I, like, again, it'll be a. I don't think. I, see, I think a lot of this is let's keep Glaber at second base. That's, that's a big part of, I think, why this is all happening. Let's add some more depth at, at shortstop or possible shortstop because we really don't want to bring Glaber over to short. We want him to develop as the second baseman because that's where we see him as the future uh, New York Yankee. He's going to be our second baseman for a long time. So why are we going to mess with him and slide him over and back and forth? He wasn't very good defensively last year. He needs to focus on second base. And I think a lot of that I'm a, I'm is 100% playing on, on board with that. Yes, that's, yeah. that's their plan. And it's a smart plan. Who plays more games at shortstop, Troy Tulowitzki or Tyler Wade? Jesus Christ. Um, hopefully Tulowitzki. <laughs> because that's what I think they're going to get out of Tulowitzki. Look, here's, here's the thing with Tulowitzki. The other, the other thing about him, you mentioned the, the fact that there were multiple teams. Tens, tens of teams. Teens of teams. <laughs> about hundreds of teams were in. Many on teams. The Japanese, Japanese baseball, the, the Yamayuri Giants were in on signing Troy Tulowitzki. So I was listening to uh, the Dowd talking about him on uh, his former GM of Colorado, talking about how his competitiveness and all these things, oh, and, the, and the fact that all the yeah, get ready because I'm going to get pumped up here. Puke. <laughs> get ready. So he is had interest from everywhere. I mean, he had he had guarantees of starting shortstop. Yes, at I know. Places it may, so guarantees. Why the frick is he with the Yankees? It makes because no damn the man, sense. Because the Don't man give is me, he loves competitive. The oh, he loves the Yankees, and he wants to prove uh. that he. He's he's betting on himself, and I love it. So, I love that he had all these options, and in. he's choosing. Yeah, oh yeah, and, we and know he's what choosing when you to play into with the shit. Yankees. Look, I'm buying into his mentality. That's what I'm buying into. I am buying into the fact that this guy is a competitor. Is knows that he was one of the best shortstops that pl- was playing in the major leagues, and is pissed off that people are writing him off because of these injuries, things that he can't really control, freakishly weird bone injuries to his heels. He's, he, he wants to shed the fact... He wants to prove that people on the Yankees can, can get past heel injuries. He wants to say that Greg Bird is, is not the, the standard of heel injuries. Troy Tulowitzki will be the new standard. He's okay, come out so and prove it. Here's a question. Who gets more plate appearances for the Yankees next year? Why do you Troy keep asking me these questions? Troy Tulowitzki or Greg Bird? Oh, come on. Tulowitzki. I have no faith in Greg Bird. Oh, None. my God. Who gets None. more? Who gets more plate appearances for the Yankees next year? Luke Voigt or Greg Bird? It's an easy question. It's it's Luke Voigt. You know what I was thinking about the other day? Uh, I think yesterday was was National Bird Day. You know, and Greg Bird popped into my mind again because there were things happening. Like I think the Yes Network was tweeting a bunch of stuff out. I truly believe this, and, and you know, maybe this is just me going off of a, a, a you know something completely wrong. If Greg Bird was a, were a dog guy. Could be might might be a two time MVP at this point. <laughs> I think he, what did I say? He's going to win Comeback Player of the Year. Yeah, I mean you've already set labeled him as an MVP, but <clears throat> well, that not, cat not, that he brings an around and carries anymore, but he's and carries player. in his in his shirt and dresses up and just looks evil is um is a bad thing, man. It's a bad look, it really is. It's if you were a dog guy like like a normal dude and, and just like have a, has like a have like a Labrador. 
I mean, I, I fully, I fully believe that he would be a much better player and wouldn't have all these freakish injuries. It's just me, just, just my thought. Well, if he was a dog guy, he couldn't be a worse player. He would significantly be a better. I trust dog guys way more than I trust guys with cats. Uh, I, I just think this, the, like, to wrap up this Tulowitzki thing, I think it's unnecessary. It, and I don't understand why the Yankees can't stay away from the used-to-be star. I, I, it, it kind of pisses me off that they cannot say no to the guy who was a name from seven years ago. Look, it, it would, if, he, uh, if he got uh, like, uh, a guaranteed contract with incentives and all this other crap and they and they like truly believe that he was going to be a guy and it kind of showed that in the contract and all this other stuff was around that he chose the Yankees after all these teams were interested in him to me there's no downside I, I don't know how you could possibly hate this move this is this is just you seeing a name and 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 associating it with every other old name that has come to the Yankees this is Fool a me no once, risk shame on no me. risk but there's Fool no shame on you times, that's the beauty shame on you there's no risk. They're not counting on him. They don't need him. If he comes out and, and proves to be a guy that can help them, they'll keep him. If he doesn't, they won't. Right. There's no risk. So I, there's no, I, that's why I don't see their, them. I don't see any way where they go through spring training without getting something else more, uh, more solidified at shortstop. There's no way Troy Tulowitzki is there. They're putting all their eggs in his basket for short for shortstop. I just don't see it happening. If you're looking for a defensive guy and you're not looking for any offense, um, Hetchavria is one of the names. But you did mention Tyler Wade. We all expected Tyler Wade and, and kind of wanted him to take over that utility role. And he proved that he just can't hit in the major leagues. Like That's, that's what we know about him right now. But the one thing he can do is defend. He's, he was, he's been one of the better, uh, if not the best, shortstop in the Yankees system. He's a, a natural shortstop. He could play the outfield. He could play all the infield positions. So if we're looking for just a defensive shortstop, throw away the offense because it doesn't matter if that's what we're looking for. Then we do have an option internally because he can play defense at a high level. Right. So, yeah. It's so, just how long. But... <laughs> We but said that last year, and he, for and, for he, and he won the job out of spring training, the utility job, and he looked completely lost at the plate at the major league level. Like, Again, throw it away, though, but that's not what we're talking about. You, you Compare it to Hechevarria. That's what we're looking at, yeah? So he was not Hechevarria at the plate. Hechevarria is not a good offensive player, but he was... You're not hearing me. I'm saying throw away the offense. If we're looking at just a defensive player who can... Who can uh, again, hedge that left side of the infield and then play other places. Just defense. Just looking at defense, we do have an internal option. Well, because we don't know really if Tyler Wade can play third base the way Hedgevaria can. Possibly. That that would be the only thing. But he can play. He every can play other the position. middle infield. He can play yes. short and second, where Hedgevaria yes. can play short and third. On Hedgevaria, you put him at second. He'll probably be a Gold Glove second base. Probably. And, and again, if you could play up the middle like that uh, with, with uh, how nimble and fast uh, Tyler Wade is, I wouldn't, I wouldn't doubt that he could play a, you know, a high-level third baseman too. Yeah, and then this is kind of also it, with the Tulowitzki signing, and then if they sign Hechevarria, then I don't see Neil Walker being on this team, which is fine. I don't need Neil Walker. I don't think back. Neil Walker is an option anymore. But, um, yeah, I don't, I don't see that either. All right. Uh, because so- he, he's, he, he can't play – Anywhere on the, or he can't play shortstop, and that's a big deal, right? And and he he can play third base better than Andujar last year, but he's not. It's by any means he's not a great third baseman. So, um, the Machado saga it's ongoing. I guess Dan Clark Sports was wrong that he was going to sign with the Yankees. Announced the Yankees right after the new year. It's still going. 
there's a million reports out there, and I'm just getting sick of them. But <laughs> I think what we what we're learning is the half a billion dollars that was projected for either Machado or Harper a couple of years ago is not going to happen. The uh, the guy that you mentioned, I think it's funny. I, I was reading something about someone who who worked at uh, one of the Baltimore newspapers or stations. And then I also saw someone call him uh, Can Dark, which I think is hilarious. <laughs> but apparently this guy, uh, and this is kind of when you read between the lines uh, of all of the names that he has on his bio, I, I could have told you that they were guest appearances at some point. They, they, he wasn't an employee. That happens a lot. And that's exactly what it looked like. But apparently the guy lives in Australia too and has been to, to Baltimore one time. and what? was uh, Yeah, and was, was unbearable because they brought him in as like a fan who uh, covered the team from Australia. I don't know. I was reading something he's about from some, Aust- uh, he's Australian or he is I, just living there now. From what Dan I Clark. I don't know. I don't I don't know originally. I think he I think he's an Australian. Dan Clark sports. Yeah, so that's uh, just to me the kind of makes a the whole comedy uh, of these uh of these Twitter Twitter guys who are so just now I'm back in politics. I'm back in his camp if he's Australian. Like there's there's yeah, there was someone talking about it for who worked at uh, you know, one of the Massons or, or one of the papers that was like, yeah. yeah, they they brought him over and like gave him an, uh, an experience, and apparently he was unbearable. So, and he's Australian. Yeah, well, he which, hates the hilarious. Yankees. There's been old tweets of his going around that he just yeah. hates. All right, the Yankees, look, look, so. I I kid, uh, we cannot waste any more airtime on this kid. All right, um, all right. We uh, asked for people's Yankees New Year's resolutions. We got a few of them. Thank you guys. I'm going to read them right now. Uh, but please, guys, take a minute. If you have not given the podcast a rating and review uh, in iTunes or Google Play, Stitcher Radio, wherever it is you listen to us, um, give us a five-star rating and review. It is the single th- most thing you as a listener can do that helps the show out other than continue to listen. The first uh, New Year's resolution from Eric NS uh, says, my wish is to have the Yankees use their financial advantage, not recklessly, but when you can improve the team for years to come, why not do so? Uh, and I guess probably talking about Manny Machado in that case. Uh, Gavin M three four five says, "I want to see Didi come back early with a bionic arm, even better than Avaldi's. I want his arm to be the strongest in history. I want Andujar to show up this spring with Adrian Beltre footwork at third. I want Glaber to be fully healed from the hip issues that no one his age should be dealing with." We aren't talking about Judge because he handles his business, and I think this could be Judge's first MVP year. Uh, Domingo Herman is out of options, but he has really good stuff. He should be uh, converted into a full-time reliever, and he will be good. For the love of God, will somebody play a decent first base for the Yankees? I would like Jacoby Ellsbury to continue his epic vacation, and I think he should uh, research with exotic ailments. Should what? Should research with exotic ailments and injuries. Okay. He should resume. Maybe he should resume it. Maybe. Uh, and the final one from uh, KC Rival. Gary Sanchez, New Year's resolution to get in the best shape of his life. So, you agree with any of these? Yeah, I like, uh, I like a lot of the breakdowns here. I think, uh, I think the fact that Andy Hart showing up with Adrian Beltre footwork is, is a dream. I love that. Mm-hmm. And uh, I do agree that nobody at Glaber's age should be dealing with hip injuries. That's, that's, uh, that's old guy stuff. We talked about that last year. It's, it's mildly concerning, isn't it? I don't think it's my, I, no, I, you know, I think those things just, if it's a muscle issue and it's a strain like that. Hip flexor. I mean, like, yeah, A-Rod went through those hip flexor issues back. after he injected himself in the ass 4,000 times. Like, I mean, I mean, there you go. I mean, 
There's a reason behind that. Yeah. No, that's, that's what I'm saying. So what the hell is Glaber at 21 years old going through this crap? I mean, it just could be a strain that just doesn't... It's hard. I, I can only imagine how hard it is to heal a muscle or a, a ligament like that in season as a baseball player with the amount of activity that they do. Even when they come back, like there's just so much repetition and so much activity on a daily basis. It's such a grind. I, I can only imagine how difficult it is to try to come back and be full strength at the end. So I think, uh, you know, a full year... Uh, I'm sorry, a full off season and him coming back healthy, you know, it's going to, he'll, he'll heal up a hell of a lot faster than any of these guys. So I'm not, uh, you know, unless we see it uh, continuing to play out in, in other years, I'm not going to call it a concern in one year, just because I think that the type of injury is very difficult to, uh, to just come back from. So mm. in, in season and he did play, it's not like he didn't play and wasn't productive. He just wasn't the same guy. And it kind of looked like, you know, he was, you know, flying open a little bit early. He was favoring it and just wasn't the, wasn't the same kid that we saw early in the season. So well, he went I'm from an all-star. Much better player. He went from an all-star to a struggling rookie. <laughs> it was a yeah, big yeah. difference. It was a big difference. It was a big difference. Uh, but again, a full offseason. I got nothing. The kid has all the talent in the world. And uh, I, think, I think we're going to be very pleasantly surprised with, with, uh, with Gleyber Torres coming into this year. Yeah. All right, we got a couple mailbags before we wrap this show up. The first one's from Tom. Betances is a free agent after this season, and his stock can't be higher at the moment. Is there a scenario where you'd consider trading him? He says, this assumes we get two relievers, uh, which only costs money. Obviously, he can dominate, but Betances with men on base still gives me headaches. I mean, I, I don't think they're trading him by any means. That's, that's, we've, we've talked about the you know, trading him at his peak a couple of years ago, even, um, and and they never did when all this like arbitration drama was happening. I think they're beyond that at this point right now. I think that he is, uh, you know, a, a huge part of this bullpen. He proved that last year when he's on, when he tweaked his mechanics a little bit and, and got, uh, you know, moving forward a little bit and rather than, than kind of rocking on his back foot and just, you know, moving most of his weight forward, you could see the difference in his mechanics. And at that point when they did tweak something, I mean, the guy became the dominant, the dominant Dylan Batantis again. And when he's on, when he's throwing that fastball Dylan. for Did you just straight, call him Dylan? What are you? No, Dylan. You said I Dylan. I said Dylan. I just talked fast and it probably came out. God, it's Dylan Batantis. Randy Levine over here. And the fact is that now when he is a dominant Dylan Batantis <laughs> and when he can locate that fastball, D-Dog, he's just filthy. I mean, one of the best, most dominant dudes <clears throat> out there. But um, it's interesting because he is going to be a free agent after this year. He's finally done with arbitration. And we know the history of the Yankees and Batances with arbitration. So there's a chance he does not re-sign with the Yankees. And that is another reason why what they did with Britain, coupling the fact that Chapman has an opt-out clause after this season, this bullpen could look a hell of a lot different going into 2020 than it does 2019. Right, but this is not the Yankees are not in a position where just because a guy is coming up for free agency the following year that you trade him. Because no, 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 I'm not that. saying trade. To get anything back, yeah, you, but you you run that out and but, you get everything you can. But with what they're doing this off season for the bullpen, they could be planning ahead for if Batances leaves. For sure. I mean, you saw that again with that Britain contract. The fact that they can extend it through the four, uh, four, fourth year, and uh, you're looking at the rest of it, you know, not just talking about Patances, but Aroldo Chapman has an opt-out after 2019, uh, a player option. So there's a possibility that uh, you know, he has a ridiculous year, and I think he's getting, what, average, like $17 million or so yeah, he's the for highest his year. closer in the game. 
if he thinks that he can get more money than that, someone's going to uh, you know overpay him, or he yeah. can get an, uh, he can get additional years. That's also a play. Maybe he could get maybe he could get seventeen uh, the same contract, but but adding on years to it. That that could be something, um, and he might hold up the Yankees for that kind of what Sabathia did yeah. when he opted out of his contract. I think what Kimbrel gets this offseason will will tell us what Chapman could potentially do, because if Kimbrel's asking for six years, I don't see him getting six years. But if he gets five years at sixteen, seventeen million a year, well then Chapman's going to say I'm better, I'm as good at least as this guy. Yeah, I, that's exactly it. So at 2019, when you're looking at it after this year, they could look a lot different. Uh, so the fact that the Yankees are really in the driver's seat for Britain for a fourth year, uh, third and fourth year, it, it just, you know, it, it's, it's smart. It really is. It's, it's, it is looking forward. It's, um, you know, one of the guys uh, in the reviews was talking about using their, their money wisely and planning for the future. You look at that Britain contract, that's exactly what that is. Mm-hmm. All right. The last question is from Anthony. He is at ZookYPC on Twitter. I want to know your way too early predictions for next season's team MVP, comeback player of the year, and biggest surprise player of the year. Can I go first? Go ahead. Uh, Team MVP, Greg Bird. Comeback player of the year, Greg Bird. Biggest surprise player of the year, Greg Bird. So you like Greg Bird? Big fan? Yeah, big fan of Greg Bird. Big Big fan of Greg Bird. Um how many okay I'll, I'll reverse this question on you how many uh who gets more plate appearances for the new york yankees luke void or greg bird uh greg bird does and i'm not being sarcastic anymore i do not believe in luke void okay i mean i got nothing to say that i don't believe there's nothing to show that that you know he can't do it i mean who knows until he said until he proves that he can't do it that's what we and here's why with, with i still void. think the yankees want greg bird to be a thing of course they do. So he's still the left-handed so bat that they want. Even if he's like almost as good as Luke Voigt, I think they're going to choose him over Luke Voigt. Yeah, we'll see. It's the fact that he's a left-handed bat changes things and, and changes things he, drastically. Especially if he can in go this out lineup. there and and sh- yeah, show that he's a uh, the Greg Bird that they thought. But again, I mean, nobody even knows what that is anymore. So it's um, it's just it's all look. Luke Voigt is the fun. hell knows at this point. Luke Voigt's fun. He can't help himself. He's like a big kid in a candy store out there. He hits a fly ball and he thinks it's going 5,000 feet. He does the Sammy Sosa hop. I get it. It's fun. But it's most likely a flash in the pan. All right, so way too early stuff here. And and this is... Um, I'm being forced to do this, so this is not my choice. So, you know, get rid of your, uh, your jinx comments because this is someone just choosing me to do this. All right, so MVP, I, I agree with... Uh, uh, with our guy Gavin talking about Judge, I feel like this just feels like a, a, a big year for him. And you know, if he's if he's the he's going to be the he's definitely the leader of this of this uh, of this team. I think he's going to have a monster year. So I'm gonna I'm gonna pencil him in for uh, for MVP. Well, t- team MVP and Judge has been the team MVP for the last two years. So <laughs> him being a team MVP for a third year isn't that big of a. But I'm 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 talking about the league oh, as well. League I, okay. Yeah, I think he's got that. I mean, if he's the if he's the guy that could come out and play and and could play a full year, you know, he's he's locked and loaded for mm-hmm. that team or for that MLB MVP. He's going to be among the top. Um, and the fact that he already lost one very close, I think, also in the in the in the minds of the jackasses that that vote changes something. Um, so 
so I think that that's a, a big possibility. I, I think we're going to see a big year from Glaber Torres. Also, uh, we're talking about comeback, like not really a, a comeback, but um, I think we're going to see big strides from him, both defensively and offensively, with consistency. He showed the, what he can be for you know for the early part of uh, of last year, and I just think we're going to see another step with him. I think he's wise, be uh, mature beyond his years, and you know he just seems like the type of guy who. Uh, who could take a very big step forward fast. And uh, that's what I expect from him. Um, what was the other one? Biggest surprise? surprise. Oh, man. <laughs> Do it. Do it. Um, Come to the dark side. Okay, biggest surprise of this year. I'm going to say Clint Frazier. I'm going to say huh. Clint Frazier is going to be the uh, the primary left fielder that he's going to come out and he's going to he's going to you know hit an adequate I think he's going to be a 270 280 hitter we're going to see him hit for average probably strike out too much but he's going to hit when he's going to hit the ball you know good amount um, as well I don't I don't see him very walking very much so it's going to be a strikeout or a hit um, and I think he's going to play a good left field and I think we're going to see Gardner end up being the platoon outfielder yeah that's, that's not a bad it's not a bad prediction and I think what the Yankees would uh, most want to happen they want to see Frazier blossom into that that starter role, and that will also take another left-handed bat, you know, consistently out of the lineup. It's true, especially I mean, especially when you think about the start of the season with Didi on the disabled list and Gardner as a platoon player, and yeah. as of now, Luke Voigt, the starting first baseman. There's no left-handed bats other than uh, Hicks from the left side in that lineup. It's it's uh it's it's. Definitely, when you're looking up lineup construction, and you know some of these guys can hit against uh, righties, lefties doesn't matter as much. But yeah, it's a it's a glaring it's a glaring you know visual when you're looking up and down that lineup. The fact that the DD changes a lot, you know, the fact that he's not there is a big deal, and I think that's been downplayed uh, to an extent too uh, offensively. Uh, no, we got a, we got 2014 MVP level Troy Tulowitzki coming in, so who cares about DD Gregorius? And he could spray the ball. Doesn't yeah, matter. He could the hit ball. the right field. Yeah. He his strength is to right right center. Uh huh. Well, his Love strength it. when you look at his numbers is the thin air in Colorado. No, it's to right center, <laughs> right center. I don't care where you are. But All again, right. we don't care about that as much. We just want him to be healthy and play defense, right? Right. Right. All right, guys. Thank you for submitting the mailbag questions. Thank you for submitting the New Year's resolutions. Uh, again, Tuesday we're going to have that Anthony Siegler uh, conversation we had with him. Um, he was just leaving the ballpark when we caught him. So again, really nice kid, fun conversation, uh, first round draft pick from last year. Uh, it'd be fun to watch him, uh, go through the Yankee system. Scott, and let's, let's, let's shout out his boy. Who's this, who's this, uh, the, the starting quarterback for the Clemson Tigers, who's actually playing Monday night. So it'll be a nice little, um, nice little piece. And we'll look really stupid when we didn't yeah, know who tre- the, his yeah, name. Trevor, Trevor Lawrence, you're kind of ruining the, uh, the little ending of, of the, uh, conversation. That's okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm teasing the fact that, uh, and how, how much we don't watch college football. <laughs> well, but the fact that the fact it'll be escalated because when we release this on Tuesday, the national championship game would have already happened. Yeah. He might be a national champion. And we're like, <laughs> yeah, wait, who's that exactly. guy? <laughs> right. But you also have, we, like, I asked him about NFL. And yeah. he's and he talked. He was started talking about college. So, like you said, we weren't in the mindset of. We were very football. taken aback. I was like, I was like, shit. Is this, is he like a def, is he like a defensive lineman for the Eagles? Like, he's the gunner. He's the gunner. <laughs> yeah, on the Seahawks. <laughs> right. No, he's the starting quarterback for one of the teams in the national championship. That's that's it. Well, he told us to give him a shout out, so we're giving him a yeah. shout out. Shout out. Yeah. He's, I mean, now that I know who he is, phenomenal. I might actually watch Monday. Probably going to be drafted by the Giants. 
and these kids will, will dominate New York together. That would be fun. All right, that's going to do it for us. Uh, again, Tuesday's episode. Check it out, and we'll talk to you guys next week. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review on iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees.